Okay, hi everyone. Um, very nice to see everybody here again. Uh, this is our second video that we are recording for August 2023. And I am really, really pleased to be able to share this with you. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed the book and I'm very excited about talking to Alexia Casale about this new book, which is called Sing If You Can't Dance. So hello, Alexia. Very nice to see you here. Um, we usually ask our authors to share a little bit of the book at the beginning as a reading. Is that okay with you? That's great. Um, for anyone listening, I'm very dyslexic. So I do a slightly different version of a reading, which is I read little bits so that you don't get the words inside out and back to front and upside down, which is exciting, but maybe not very comprehensible. So I do little bits of reading and then I sort of talk to you about the books. So that's okay. So I think you can't dance. Um, and it starts like this. Breathless anticipation, whispers that keep rising until a chorus of voices say, shh. Runners bustle around the studio, shepherding competitors on and off set. Technicians glare as they manoeuvre their huge rolling cameras to get the best angle on each group. The air thrums with urgency and excitement and anxiety. Nearly out of nearly out of Just a few minutes now. Keep it together, keep the energy up, harness it. Swallow down the swoop of sickness. It's just nerves. So many nerves, I almost feel dizzy, but I'm not, of course. That feeling in my chest is tension. I am fine. Everything is totally 100% fine. So this is our main character who is at the second round TV auditions for a national dance competition. This is officially the biggest thing to happen to anyone in our whole school in the history of forever. So we're allowed to be nervous, but as leader, I'm not going to be the one turning into drama. I've got this. Everything is totally, completely, absolutely fine. I think you're starting to get the message of what's happening. Um, so there they are. They're about to record their second edition and they're in the TV studio and it's the best day. So they've got four points in the first edition, sending us straight through. Now, this today will determine whether we get onto the live shows. Just a year ago, there was no pomp sync. But now look at us, standing on the verge of a future so big and amazing, I feel myself sway as if the ground's gone unsteady. Sending me jostling into Maddie, which is her best friend, which we'll hear about a little bit more later. So she's part of a dance group and they're about to go on stage. And then they go on stage and here's the moment. I want to remember every second, relish every breath, but I'm puffing for air in that irritating way I've been doing on and off this whole last month. So if I somehow been getting less fit from all the rehearsing, and I know it's just nerves, got to block it out, focus, but my muscles are pulling an ache in two and they have been for weeks. And as you've probably gathered, something is about to go hideously wrong. A protagonist is about to collapse on stage and ruin everything. And um, that's not all. So that's just the prologue. That's like two pages, not a lot of spoilers from that bit. The book really picks up 18-ish months later when we meet them properly for the first time. We have to kind of know her history to make sense of where she is. So it starts with Ven introducing herself. Before we start, I'm gonna to be totally upfront and tell you that I don't care whether you like me or not, that's your problem. 
I'm sure I'm softer on the outside than on the inside, so it's a pity you were in my head. Well, I'm not going to nice it up for you. You can call me Ven. It's short for Venetia. But if you call me that, you're going to regret it. You're probably wondering why you're here, but I don't care about that either. Stay going, your choice. I'd stick around out of interest, but then I'm smart and you might be dumb as a rock. So that's Ven. She's a bulldozer in human form. But she's just had this terrible tragedy on the best day of her life when everything she'd been working towards has gone horribly, horribly wrong. And so at this point, she is trying, she's driving into school and she tries to park and the disabled badge spot that is meant to be hers has somebody who's non-disabled in it. So her day's off to a bad start. And then she's late for assembly and gets in trouble. And then various people are unpleasant to her. And her day is just going from bad to worse. And what we're discovering is it's 18 months later. And instead of it just being a one-off, she's going to be ill. She's lost most of her mobility. She's really struggling to walk. Dancing is over. So by the time she gets to lunch, the day is pretty bad. But then Maddie is there with the rest of Popsink. So she walks into the room and Maddie orders the rest of Popsink to make room for me. I get that she's literally demonstrating I still have a place at their lunch table, but it's a pity place. So she asks about training and it just sort of reinforces the gulf between the two best friends because Ben can't dance anymore. And of course, Maddie and the rest of Popsink are carrying on as normal. And it's nobody's fault, but it's no fun for everybody. So Ben loses her temper when Maddie says something only very slightly insensitive and goes racing off, walks into somebody. It's the new boy. Great first impression. But there's an even bigger problem. She's dislocated her hip. Medically speaking, a dislocation is when you completely separate a bone from its corresponding joint. For example, when the top of your humerus ends up completely outside your shoulder socket. A subluxation is when you displace a bone from its joint without separating it completely. I don't dislocate very often, but here's the thing. If you have to manually put a bone back in, and then somebody says, you've only splatted yourself, and it's not really a dislocation. You will understand the reason why people with conditions like mine hate most doctors with an exquisite passion. So for the record, when I have to ball my fist into my butt cheek and lever my leg up and over so that, insert dull echoing crunch, my femur resettles itself properly in the hip joint because half of it had fallen out. You'd be calling it a dislocation. And so... As the book goes on, we find out some more stuff about this, but I'm not going to go on about this. Um, but Ven's life has changed. A lot of it is now dealing with chronic pain, dealing with her changing mobility, and dealing with the fact that all of her dreams are ruined. You know, she's not going to be a dancer. That's just not on the card. So what's she going to do instead? Well, she loves music. And part of her A-levels is she's either got to do dancing or she's got to do a choir thing or she's going to do orchestra. She doesn't play an instrument. She's, she's going to have to join the choir. And the choir are terrible. They are so bad. And this this bunch of people who are in these little cliques but they're in these little cliques who hate each other and there is no room for her but then says you know I've always been this great leader I made pop sync what it was so I'm gonna go and I'm gonna sort out this choir the choir on the other hand not so keen on this so it's about that and then the new boy joins and he's kind of gorgeous but she's not made the world's best impression so yeah trouble upon trouble awaits our heroine
that is a perfect introduction. Thank you so much, Alexia. Um, I absolutely fell in love with Ven. I did. Um, she's an amazing character. Um, but as we've just heard, naturally, Ven is struggling with having a disability that means that she's in pain every day. Why did you decide to write a book about a character with these difficulties? Okay, so there's an interesting answer to this, which is I did not decide this. I was working on a book which I loved, and it's about things from my family's history set in a place that is one of my favourite places on earth, and it's this great story. I was loving writing this book so much. And this person who wasn't actually there for the record, I knew she wasn't there, but she still was there. And she turned up and she leaned over the computer and put her hand in front of the screen and said, stop that, you're not doing that now, you're going to write my book. And I was like, no, no, I don't want to write your book. Go away. Who are you, strange new character who's turned up? And you feel very real, but I know that you're imaginary. She's like, no, 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 I'm, I'm going to just talk. I'm going to talk until you write down my story and you aren't going to be able to write this other thing. And as you might have guessed from that introduction to Ben, that's, that's Ben. That is what she was like from the first moment. She just turned up and she said, this is what's going to happen. And at the time, I was in the earlier stages of losing quite a lot of my mobility and it was raw and miserable and it was the last thing in the world I wanted to write about because I thought I'll end up writing something autobiographical and I, that's really private. It feels, it, it's one of the worst things that's happening in my life. I don't want to share it. It doesn't belong to anybody and I don't want to put that all out in public. That's, you know, for people who want to, that's great, but that is not me and I knew that wasn't me. And then just turned around and said, for God's sake, do you think you're the only person in the world that this stuff ever happens to? Just stop being such an idiot. I've come to you because you get it, but this is my story and you're going to tell my story and you're just going to get over yourself. This book is not about you. This book is about me. And so I just had to write it for half the day. She would just talk until I wrote down what she said. And then the rest of the day, I could get on with my other books. I wrote two books at once. Um, but that's that's who Fen was right from the start. Um, and so it felt like a way of using my own knowledge of what it was to go through that stuff without having to write about myself, which was just this huge relief because everyone had been saying, oh, you should write something. I was like, no, never, never, never. And then, then I did. But it was because then is not me. We have a lot in common, but it was a story that I wanted to tell and also I had no choice. <laughs> Excellent answer. Excellent answer. I have to say that I think Ven's friend, who then becomes her, her boyfriend, Ren, is such a great example of how we all hope young men will be. Um, he's caring, he's patient and he's supportive. Was that something you particularly wanted to emphasise? I mean, it, it's refreshing to read it in these days of incel and everything that's going on. Yes, I think that there are a lot of toxic representations of masculinity, which doesn't mean masculinity is toxic. It's like poison is poisonous. 
the toxic are, yes, there are poisonous berries and there are non-poisonous berries like strawberries, which we love. So I am trying to create a non-poisonous berry, as it were, in Wren. And he's going through his own stuff. So sometimes he's selfish like Ben is. She has her moments where she doesn't take into consideration other people's feelings. So he's clumsy in how he relates to people sometimes, as is she, as is all our, all the characters, because they're teenagers and, hey, adults <laughs> are only a bit better. We learn a bit, but we don't ever get over that. Um, so he's somebody who is struggling, so sometimes isn't his best self, but he is trying to be his best self, even when he falls short. And I think that's something really good to see in a male character, especially in a love interest character, that it's not about being perfect, it's trying to be better. And, you know, if you make a mistake, you own up to it. And you don't do that again. You don't get defensive about, oh, no, it's not really that bad. And why are you upset? It's like, no, I did something really bad. And I should be sorry about that. And I should learn enough from it that I don't do it again. Um, so, yes, I wanted to have a relationship that, for all its troubles, is not falling into those old cliches about it's just people not listening to each other. Sometimes they're talking at cross purposes, but the cross purposes aren't invented. They're because they're in their own little world of their own pain and difficulties. They are only interpreting things in their way. And that was important to me too. I didn't want some contrived reason for them to be falling out. I wanted that to be, oh no, I get it. Anyone would be really upset at that point, even though they're upset at each other and that isn't necessarily always the biggest problem. Um, you deal with some very serious topics in the book. Um, I'm thinking in particular of Ven's letter that she entrusts her aunt with. And Ven is, in some people's opinion, I think they will think she is very young to be making the sort of decisions that she is making. Could you tell us a little bit about what that letter is about and why you wanted to emphasise the fact that Ven is in fact capable of deciding on her life-changing options. Yes, so then writes um, a medical directive letter, which is about what she wants to happen if she is unable to say her own wishes in a medical situation. If things get so bad that she can't express herself, these are her wishes, and she writes it down, and eventually she tells her aunt... <clears throat> where to find this letter and so yes she is very young and the point isn't that she thinks this letter as she says in the book I don't know that this is going to be if it were ever used this letter it wouldn't be for years and years and years and years and years to come if ever at all but if I ever got into that state it would be too late it would be too late to say anything to anyone so I can write this letter and she can for the record Ben's the type of person who will be updating that every single year as she gets older and her wishes change with her life but she has the surety of knowing that should she be completely incapacitated somebody can make the decisions that she would want made for her based on her current ability to know and yes that would shift and change and she's not thinking that this is going to happen anytime soon right she's thinking way into the future but she's trying to be prepared because she's just very worried about not being able to do that for herself and not having anything on record. And she also is saying, 
I'm struggling a lot with pain and it's really difficult. And sometimes she does have these flashes of thought, but I can't stand it any longer. And she has to stand it. There is no other option. That is the life she's living. And she's not suicidal, but there are these flashes where she thinks about death because she just wants to be free of pain, but knowing that she has this ability uh, to get out if it ever gets to the point of it's too much, it makes it easier for her to go on. So she's not suicidal, partly because she's going, if things get to the point where I'm not living a life and it's just pure torture and this is terrible, people might, if the law has changed, be able to help me. And so I can feel empowered and able to bear what I have to bear for longer and more happily and in the sense of control of my own fate. So it's about that. It's not a letter about despair. It's not a letter about she's not planning or trying to die. She's trying to live well. She's trying to live well with the knowledge that if she can't live well, she can she can escape. And that's all she wants to know that if it's impossible to be happy, she has a way out. But actually, she's building this very positive life. And so as the book goes along, I, I hope everyone will sit there going, yes, yeah, she's she's creating a backup plan, but it's a backup plan. It is not the plan. This is not where her life is going. She is not heading towards death. She's heading towards her future. Um, but thank you very much, Alexia, for making the time to talk to us about it. And um, yeah, my compliments on an excellent book. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you ever so much. Yeah, the, the whole point of it is it's a romantic comedy. The character's up against a lot of stuff, but that's not really what the book is about because it's about the fact that everybody hopefully gets at some point to fall in love and to have fun times and all of those things. And why shouldn't we see every version of that out there? But yeah, I, I hope you get from Ven's voice. She's quite funny and it's not dark most of the time. Mm -hmm. No, she's extremely sarcastic, which is very much my own type of humour. And, and I did find myself chuckling quite a lot at her put downs, it has to be said. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me on. This is absolutely wonderful. You're